Welcome to episode one of the Youth Ministry United podcast, which aims to equip, empower, and encourage youth pastors and youth workers all over the world. Hey, I'm super excited about today's episode. We're going to talk about Claim Your Campus. If you've not yet heard about that, you want to stay tuned for that. We're going to talk about uh, what's happening on campuses all over the world with students and the prayer that's taking place there. And then a little bit later, we're going to talk about mental health of students and leaders. Definitely not going to want to miss that. So today I've got George Moss joining us. George Moss is a uh, Christian hip-hop and rap artist from Michigan, also the founder of Oxen Apparel. He's got a love for music and apparel, but uh, what I love most is his heart for uh, making disciples. And uh, honored to have you join us today, George. Thanks for joining. No problem. I'm so glad you had me on today. Yeah, so I'm excited to uh, talk about... this topic with you, Claim Your Campus. Um, I've heard a little bit about it uh, when I was at the uh, National Youth Workers Convention uh, in St. Louis, November. Um, But what is Claim Your Campus? What is it all about? And what's the heart behind it? So Claim Your Campus is founded by a good friend of mine. His name is Jeff Eckerd, and I've known him. He was actually the first person to ever book me for a show, like way back in like 99. He booked me to open up for John Rubin way back in the day. And uh, this guy just has a real heart for students and for prayer. I mean, connecting students with God through prayer. So he started this company, or not company, he started this ministry called Claim Your Campus. And his vision was to see kids in their schools praying for their schools uh, every day. And starting student-led prayer groups on campus. It was a very simple mission, and he wanted to see every single campus in America have student-led prayer groups on their campus. We all know about... Um, you know, the see you at the pole rally. And it's kind of that one thing that we, we do in the fall and everybody gathers around and, and we pray, but it's kind of one event and it's over. What I really um, loved about this event, or not just, it's not just an event, it's a ongoing lifestyle that truly changes the culture of a school. There's a few stories that I've got a chance to, to witness and hear from students that literally have seen um, violent fights, theft, um, things like that go down in their schools and literally grades go up all after starting their prayer groups, which changed the entire environment of the school, changed test scores, changed uh, the entire uh, faculty and staff. It was just, it's one of those amazing stories that it's not a coincidence that when things, when you start to pray, things begin to happen. And it's just a testament to see how big God truly is. And when, when people go to him, uh, things change. So I'm excited to be a part of it because I want to see a change happen in the in our nation's schools. I've been doing public high school assemblies for years and been in and out of hundreds of high schools. And the only thing that really um, can change campuses across America begins with prayer. Um, if we're going to see any sort of change at all, it begins with prayer. So I'm excited to be a part of this Claim Your Campus um, movement of students that are going into the schools simply just going and praying for the school uh centered around four different topics of prayer um care share uh in unity so that's awesome i love to hear that uh one of my big passions is just seeing local churches connected with local schools and seeing uh seeing students kind of just take ownership of their campus and pray for the campus so i love that um, you had mentioned to me that uh, the summer of 2020, July 4th weekend, there's something going on with Claim Your Campus. What's, uh, what's that all about? Yes. So what I'm really excited about is coming up July 4th weekend, 2020, um, we are inviting students from across the country to gather in the geographic center of the United States to begin this um, 
to really mobilize a movement of prayer throughout our country. We know that um, one of the mantras that we have kind of formulated as we've been planning this event is that moments mobilize movements. Um, There's certain moments in history that make us a shift in the culture. And I, be, I believe that there's a time for revival in our, in our country. And it doesn't, it's not going to happen by um, just us continuously trying to do something, but really God doing something. So things happen when people pray. So we're inviting students. Uh, we're expecting 10,000 schools to be represented uh, in just south of Kansas City, Missouri, coming up July 4th weekend, 2020. It's a massive event. 100,000 people um, joining together to pray for this nation, pray for the schools of this nation, and to not only that, but to equip students to go back and to share their faith and pray for their schools um, as they go back into this next school year, where it's not just a a prayer event, but it is a, a moment that will mobilize kids to go back and create an entire shift in their school and in this country. That's awesome. I love the uh, heart behind that uh, as far as, you know, it's not about an event, it's about the movement and, and seeing students like really kind of capture that. So, uh, yeah. so ultimately for anyone that's listening to uh, this podcast, uh, who can be involved and how can people get involved if they're interested? You know, I love the fact that you, you talked, you mentioned that you were a part of a small church and you hear kind of all these big mega churches have, you know, different things that, are, that pertain to them. But I believe that this event, um, well, one is centered around schools. And the way that it's set up is that students can't actually come unless they have an advocate, a, an adult advocate for that school. Um, so at this point in time, we're looking for adult advocates that will say, you know what, I care about the school that my you know, son or daughter or nephew or niece goes to. And I want to claim that campus and say, I'm going to be the adult advocate that will pray for that school. Um, and with that adult advocate praying for that school, that adult would be responsible to take um, five kids from that school to represent that school to be a part of this event um, in Kansas City, Missouri, July 4th weekend, 2020. Um, so you would get those kids to bring them to just to pray, um, to represent their school in the geographic center of the United States to say, I'm going to claim this campus. Now, the this adult actually doesn't lead the prayer group. It's a hundred percent student led. However, um, it is nothing like having a caring, loving adult to support students as they do their ministry. Um, so, so someone that could steward them and to bring them to this event. Um, but again, it's not about just the event. It is saying that we're going to represent our school and we're going to represent our local community. And we're going to show up there to gather, to pray, with students from around the nation and then be mobilized to go back into our, our communities and our schools to not only begin the movement in our, our one school, but to see the ripple effect of that happening throughout your community. Yeah. I love the fact that you said this is 100% student led. I think it's awesome to uh, see students equipped and uh, encouraged through that. Um, but ultimately how can we as a community, a youth ministry community being be uh, pray, praying for you guys as uh, this claim your campus movement uh, kind of takes shape and goes on. Well, one sure it's just it's just going before the Lord and just praying, um, praying for uh, revival, praying for students, praying for that students would um, be able to have the courage to live out their faith in front of the student body that they're in, and uh, begin to pray for those schools. But two, literally going on to claimyourcampus2020.com and saying I am going to claim 
my campus. If you go there, you can fill out the adult advocate form um, and you will see that we have, I believe, 67,000 schools. It's an updated list from various different, you know, government lists as well as uh, new schools that have popped up. It's a very up-to-date list. And as you um, type in, begin to type in the name of your school, it should populate with the name of your school that you want to claim. And we will connect you. If someone's already claimed your campus, we can connect you with that person. Um, And there's still so many schools that need to be claimed. So you can go on to Claim Your Campus 2020 as an adult and say, I want to claim this campus. Or if you're a student and you're listening, you can say, hey, mom, hey, dad, hey, youth pastor, um, I want somebody to represent us. And I need some. I need you to to take us to be a part of this event because we want to claim our campus for, for Jesus. Sweet. So, uh, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, we are, uh, as the youth ministry community, just praying for you guys and um, just excited to see what, uh, what happens through Claim Your Campus and just see students encouraged and equipped and um, taking just ownership of their campus and, and praying. And um, I love it. I'm excited to see what happens. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. So, so thank you for joining us, George. I uh, appreciated having you on here talking about claim your campus and uh, look forward to it and um, look forward to seeing what happens. And uh, yeah. So, you- well, I'm looking forward to seeing you there. Like if for every small youth group, for every small uh, church, um, youth pastors, ask your volunteers to claim one of their campus. This is not another youth pastor event that we want to, you know, make youth pastors do something else, but uh, it's an opportunity to mobilize your, uh, your volunteers um, and some people in your church to all the schools that are represented in your church. We're looking forward to seeing each one of you there, especially you. Like I want to see you there. It's going to be fun. Oh yeah, no doubt. I'm looking forward <laughs> to uh, being there as well. I'm looking forward to hopping on. I haven't actually hopped on the website yet, but I'm going to hop on and uh, look at that and, um, Claim a campus. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Awesome, man. Awesome, man. Well, thanks for joining us, George. No problem. Thank you. Awesome. All right. So transitioning now, we've got uh, two guests joining us today. We've got Graham Betancourt from Coastal Church in Bay Manette, Alabama. He's been uh, serving in youth ministry for about seven years. Uh, And then we've got Taylor Brown from Grace United Methodist Church in Cape Coral, Florida, where he's been uh, serving in ministry for just under 10 years uh, and been at Grace United Methodist for five years. So guys, uh, just to get started, um, we will, just so everyone can get to know you guys, just share a fun fact about yourself. I'll go first. Um, Graham, obviously, here. Um, uh, The cool fact about me that everybody needs to know is I have a, a decently long beard, but no mustache because my wife prohibits one. Wow. That's no nice. mustache. Huh. It's, it's, I look like an Amish guy in the deep South and they don't really <laughs> exist here. So I'm quite, I'm quite a spectacle. People stop and look. It's when a you great walk way by. to describe that. Yeah. They, they, I had one guy tell me the other day he says, you look like an amazing blonde Abraham Lincoln. And I said, thank you, sir. I take that as a compliment. Top hat and all, or. Well, I didn't have my top hat on that day, but I do okay. normally. Yeah. Okay. That is a pretty impressive compliment. I will say that. That is Honest Abe. Good. Honest Abe. <laughs> there we go. Taylor, what about yourself? I would say, fun fact about me. I, you know, I, I would actually say one fun fact is that I've been skydiving twice. I, yeah, I, I went once. Twice. In high school. In high school I went. Loved it so much that I actually uh, went skydiving after that, uh, later on with my wife. So, yeah. Twice. We define that as okay. crazy. I, yeah, yes, I've been I, told that. I've been, yes. I've been told that. 
Um, there's no – for real, you can't describe the feeling, though, of, of jumping out of the plane and free-falling. You, you, there's nothing that can describe it. It's incredible. You, gotta, you all got to go do it. Anyone listening, you all, we got to go do it sometime. There we go. Uh, and then I, I guess I'll go, too. Um, I'll, I'm going to share two fun facts real quick just so everyone can get an insight to our podcast. Uh, we actually are – this is our second time recording this podcast because I forgot that I needed to have headphones plugged in, so I'm not technologically sound. Um, and then the second one is that I worked at a pirate – I worked at a pirate-themed laser tag for 10 years – or seven years. Sorry, not 10. Oh, little Yes. So you you should know all the good pirate jokes is what you're saying. Yes, yes, yes. National Talk Like a Pirate Day, September 19th, for any of those that are wondering. Did you wear an earring? There is a day that I did have to dress like a pirate at times. (gasps) That means an earring, right? Um, Eye patch. Never an earring. (laughs) Okay. That's still pretty good. Was there a parrot Um, involved? there, There was not. I, on, I wish there was, but there was not. Yes. <laughs> so, so t- we'll we'll uh, we'll try to transition from that. Um, I guess that would probably explain my mental health issues, um, it, which is exactly what we're going to talk about, right? So, uh, mental health. As soon as I said mental health, I'm sure there's a stigma associated with that that a lot of people uh, think about. Um, and I guess to start, we really need to define mental health. So Taylor, you had brought up an article that you had read about mental health that kind of goes into defining that. Could you just talk about that for a minute? Yeah. So I, when, like, like you sort of said, there's a stigma that's really attached to, to that when we talk about that topic or that word mental health. Um, and, and I think for, for our purposes today, because mental health can be a lot of different things. It can get into you know, mental illness and, and go down lots of different roads. And so I think for today, for the purposes of our conversation, about mental health. I think we're going to really be honing in on um, depression, anxiety, different things like that that are associated with mental health. Um, and, and there's a study that I found. Um, it's actually by Cigna. And we're going to try to attach the link to this to the show description or the show notes. So that way you all can read this for yourselves. And it's fascinating. This study was done for those that were 18 and older. But I think it gives a, a really good picture and currently reveals where our world is at. Um, and so I want to read you, you all just three of the statistics that came out of this study. Um, the first one is that nearly half of Americans report sometimes or always feeling alone. Uh, that's about 46, 47%. Wow. Um, another one was that two in five Americans sometimes or always feel that their relationships are not meaningful and that they're isolated from others. Uh, once again, it speaks to this loneliness epidemic, if you will. Um, and then, then the last statistic that, that I think is so prevalent, especially for us today, it says Generation Z, and, and that categorizes that as adults age 18 to 22, is the loneliest generation and claims to be in worse mental health than other generations. Um, and, and, you know, when you look at some of these statistics, it's, it's hard to argue that that loneliness and isolation is not a current epidemic in our world today. And, and I think it's affecting our students as well. Um, this, this perceived isolation, this perceived loneliness that they have, and, and, and it affects our mental health and, and it gets us into a not so good space when it comes to our mental health. Yeah, that is uh, definitely 
interesting findings from the study. Um, just a couple of things that you, you had said when you said uh, half of Americans are always feeling alone and then two and five feel the relationships aren't like, don't, don't matter too much to them. Like that to me, like we're in youth ministry. Um, relationships are so important. Uh, and I was reading a tweet the other day that says 70% of teens say mental health issues are the number one problem they face. Um, and then 50%, uh, there's a 50% increase in teen admissions to hospitals for threats of self-harm. Um, so when a student comes to you, Graham, if you want to take this one, when, when a student comes to you as a youth pastor, uh, we had, we had talked a couple of weeks ago about uh, knowing your role as a youth pastor. So what, what do you do when a student comes to you and says, Hey, um, man, I, I'm struggling with depression. I'm struggling with anxiety. What, what do you do when a student comes to you with that? Well, I mean, I think first, um, I think first we need to kind of lay the groundwork, you know, before the response, uh, I think as youth leaders and youth pastors, I think just understanding who, who we are in that type of a scenario is key. Um, so understanding what our responsibility is as a youth pastor uh, is key to the way that we respond. Um, I think, something that's okay and that's something that you need to know is okay. Uh, it's okay that you don't know the answer if the student comes to you and you don't know the answer. It's okay. Yeah. Uh, because again, we're the youth pastor. So we have our set of responsibilities and our set of expectations that fall under us. Um, but what's, you know, so it's okay not to know the answer, but what's not okay is uh, taking it lightly or not pursuing some form of help. So what, so I think first and foremost, just knowing that you are the youth pastor, here's your responsibilities. Here's what you are over. You know, we're over the spiritual um, guidance of these students. We're here to help introduce them to Jesus, introduce them to purpose, uh, help them learn what it feels like to be connected in relationships to others that know Jesus. Mm -hmm. uh, and then to help them make a difference using the, the giftings that they have. That's, you know, that's really our role. Our role is to, is to help make fully devoted followers of Jesus. Um, but what happens is, is we're faced with these issues because let's be honest, Christians struggle with these, these problems too. Um, right. but I think the, the biggest thing to do is to know, knowing your role, it, it makes it to where you're okay with helping that student go to somebody else, uh, who, who works in a different role. So, uh, my response to just in a practical way would be, you know, first and foremost, let them know that, Hey, this does this doesn't define who you are just because you're struggling with depression, anxiety, loneliness, um, self-harm thoughts, whatever that might be. Uh, that's not who you are. And this is something that you can overcome. Um, yeah. You know, this is something that you are going to get through. And as my job as the youth pastor, as the spiritual authority or the spiritual mentor in their life, my job is to help them stay focused on the goodness, the wholeness, the, um, the, you know, the, the, the joy, the peace and all the things that come through knowing Jesus. But at the same time, I need to make sure I have a network of other professionals that, you know, maybe I know from the community or the church that we can walk to them together and, and refer them to and kind of walk through that process together. So the response to me would be, Know your roles so that you can respond right in your role, but also know others in your community who are in the role that can help them and help get that student to that other person, you know, to that counselor, to that uh, psychiatrist, whatever it might be uh, to help them through that 
in that in that way because you want to make sure you help you know you want to make sure that you're you're not right. just blowing them off going well man just pray more <laughs> fast it's like well, that don't work all the time you know sometimes you need yeah. to sit down with somebody who can who can dive into it with you and really get to the bottom of it mm-hmm. for sure and um i i think one of the important things that you brought up was the fact that we need to remind these students that come to us with some sort of mental health issue that their mental health issue is not what defines them. They are defined and they have their value from Jesus. It's not from the mental health uh, disorder that they're dealing with, the depression, the anxiety, that does not define them. Uh, So I think it's important to come alongside of them in that. Um, And I was talking to someone recently who just straight up asked me the question. They said, Matt, if a student comes to you, because I was talking to them about defining or just knowing your role as a youth pastor, um, they said if a student comes to you and says they're dealing with this mental health issue that they're facing right now and you pass them off to a mental health professional, doesn't that student then think that you're not there for them or that you don't care for them? Taylor, what uh, what would you say to that? Yeah, it can be, um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's so important that we're sort of grace filled when it comes to, when it comes to these conversations and these handoffs. Um, because, you know, the last thing we would want is for a student to think that we're abandoning them or we're ditching them or, or, you know, we just don't have time for them during a, during a huge and pivotal thing that they're going through. Um, right. and, and so what, one thing I think is so important to add on to sort of what Graham was saying, I, I think, you know, a lot of the time when we think of this idea, how, how we aren't the professional, we think of it from like, like the stubborn realm, if you will, where it's like, you know, right. oh, well, we, we don't need help or anything like that. But I think, you know, for some of us, we need to think about almost caring too much and, and wanting to, to solve it and, and coming from a place of deep care and deep love for students to where we just want to do whatever we can to fix it. And I think, you know, like you said, Graham, we have to realize that sometimes that's not our job. We don't have the capability to do that. Um, and, and, and we need to hand that off and refer to someone else. Um, I think, Graham, you actually said it. It's, I think it's walking with a student instead of just only handing off, if that makes right. sense. Right. Um, I, I, think, I think such a huge part of this is being able to say, hey, I don't have the expertise on this. Um, you know, I don't, I don't have a medical degree. I don't have a counseling degree. But there are lots of really great trusted people who do. And, and there are people that can help you get through this. And, and then I think it's, it's your chance as the youth pastor to say, and I'm not going to go anywhere. I still, I right. still want to talk with you. I still want to hear how you're doing. I still want right. to know what you're thinking and how your soul is and, 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 and how all of those things are. Right. But I think it's, you know, at the same time, it's also so important that you talk to someone who can professionally and medically help with this. Well, I, mean, um, think I think, I think, I think both of those things. Think about it this way. I mean, uh, let's. I mean, and this I think comes down like you said. It's a man. Th- I think it's a man thing. I, th- I think. I mean, honestly, my wife is more willing to go outside for help and stuff than, than I am. I, and it might just be my fix it mentality. Mm-hmm. But think about your house. You know, uh, I'm not a. I'm not a plumber. Uh, I know zero things about plumbing. So therefore, if a pipe bursts in my house, guess who's not going to be the one to fix it? Not me. The goal is to get the house right. fixed. So I'm going to call the yeah. guy who does <laughs> know yeah. how to fix yeah. it. I'm going to pull good. him in and I'm going to partner with the plumber and then I'm going to pay him a large bill so that he'll fix my, my plumbing. Yeah. But because if I try to fix it, having no qualifications or experience, I'm going to make it worse. 
Mm-hmm. And the goal is to make the student better. The goal is not to be right. The goal is to make the student better. The goal is yeah, to absolutely. get them healthy. So of course I'm going to call a plumber. So you know, why not do the same with our students and pull in those who know and have experience, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's, that's a great analogy, Graham. Yeah, that's really good. Um, and I referencing that tweet I was talking about earlier, um, when we, when I was saying 70% of teens say mental health issues are the number one problem they face, the causes of that they say are increased social media use, academic pressure and frightening events like terror attacks and school shootings. So in, in this world that is so filled with social media and they're saying this is what causes them to have mental health issues how do we begin to navigate that as youth pastors when students are so filled in this world of social media? Taylor, I know you were talking about, um, you know, just framing uh, their viewpoint of social media in a different light. Can you just kind of touch on that? Yeah, I think oftentimes when we think of social media and the church, I think a lot of time, um, especially this is what I hear from our our students even, is that sometimes there's this perception from from students who are not church or even those who've gone to a church that thinks this, that that we have this belief that like, you know, that that social media is from the devil, um, like, you know, like throw your iPhone in in a river and never look back, like, 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 (laughs) don't do that if you're listening, please. Um, (laughs) Um, but some of us, some of us, um, some of us, in students specifically, have this mentality of that's what the church, um, that's what the church is thinking. Like the church's mentality about social media or technology is something that's very negative and, and to stay away from. And so what what we've sort of done at, at Grace is we've just sort of said, you know, let's let's embrace the fact that this is our world today. That 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 that's not going to change. I mean, when you think of all the leading, you know, think of the leading taxi service, if you will, right now, it's Uber. Think of the leading food service, if you will, like like delivery food. It's Bite Squad or Uber Eats or things like that. I mean, I mean, technology and social media and all of that is such a prevalent part of our world today. So what we've said at, at our churches, we've just said we're going to embrace that, and what we're going to do instead is we're going to try to 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 redeem the meaning and redeem the purpose behind social media. Um, instead of making it this negative experience what are you doing to build others up on social media um you know and instead of just using it to, to to be a consumer to get things for yourself what are you doing to to help others what are you doing to reach out to other people on That's social good. media um you know we've we've challenged students to really look at it, look at it in that way of not saying hey delete your profile and get rid of it but but to really um to really have a different outlook on it. And, and another thing that we challenge them to do, um, I'll just say this real quick. Another thing we challenge them with is, is we will still put a great emphasis on face-to-face conversations and relationships. Um, you know, it's just, as, as, as we know, there's just something different. You know, FaceTime is great. And, and, and being able to connect with one another over social media yeah, is great. But it's just you're able to connect with somebody and look them eye to eye in the same room and be able I to put agree. your hand on their shoulder True. Um, you know, sure. and, and, be, and be able to, to do some of those things. And so what, what we do is, is we, we, we don't diminish the value of social media, but, but we're also very intentional about lifting up the value of face-to-face relationships. If anything, we sort of say like, you know, those relationships, those, those human contact relationships are the main course right. and, and social media is almost an add-on. It's an amplifier. You know, it, 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 it enhances 
those real relationships that you, that, that you have those real in-personal in-depth relationships. It's an, it should be looked at as an enhancer, not as, not as the main thing. And so, yeah, we've just really That's tried good. to, we've just tried to, to change the perception and change the outlook on what social media is and the purpose behind it and the ways that students engage with that in our context. And, and, and we've seen some positive steps. We still have a long way to go with this. Um, you know, our, our goal is really to be able to, to have this in, in whatever we do, to not have it be this, you know, this constant reminder of, of, hey, redeeming social media and using it in a good way, but just like that it would eventually get to a place where our students, like, it's just a way of life. You know, it's, it's part of the culture. It's just, it's just what we do. So we've seen, well, we've seen some improvements early on with it. It's good. Yeah. That, that is a great way to look at that. Just like the whole redeeming social media for, for good. And, um, you know, it's important to, to do that. Um, Graham, what are your thoughts on, um, just the correlation between social media, this thing that has, I mean, should be used to like stay so connected has, kind of fueled the loneliness epidemic in my mind. Uh, but what are your thoughts, Graham, on the, uh, just that correlation between social media and mental health and students saying that social media is a cause of a lot of their mental health issues? You know, I would, I would say it goes to the 24-7 quote-unquote connect, connectivity, right? Um, you know, I was talking, it's funny, mm-hmm. we did a Gen Z discussion small group with some of the parents in our church a couple weeks ago and we were talking through some of that and one of the moms told me something and I thought wow that is way too stressful um for me and I'm you know I'm 27 and this girl that she's talking about you know 13 so she was saying right. that her daughter and her friends you know so let's you'll do, throw a scenario she says goes out my daughter goes out with one of her friends they take a picture hashtag besties whatever right and they post it on instagram or whatever snapchat whatever you know social they're on so now so now you've put it out there and what was a fun time with a friend that you were documenting and sharing with your connections um she then gets a a message a text message or a direct message from another friend who's saying why wasn't i invited um and she's worried about the likes she's going to get on the post. She's also insecure about the way she looks in compared to her friend. So now this one picture that was just meant to be a memory of a fun time has become this overwhelmingly stressful situation. So I think the, that, so there's so much more to it than it is, than it used to be where it was just posting dog videos and, and cats and, and, and yo-yo tricks and things like that. Now it's become, this is, uh, it's it's just it's a twenty four seven platform uh, for negativity to happen along with the positive the positive stuff. So you have that stress that's in that post that all comes from that. But the mm-hmm. other thing is this: is if you think about bullying in the past, like just when even when I was in uh, high school and, and middle school, is when if I'm being bullied at school or if somebody's being bullied at school, when that kid goes home, the bullying stops because the bully's not at home with him. But because of Facebook, because of Instagram, because of Snapchat, the bullying can follow that kid wherever that bully wants to follow him. He can, yeah. he can mess. There yep. was a, a, there was a story about a, um, I, I don't even know where I heard it, but the, the dad and daughter come home, daughter goes up to her room, comes down 15 minutes later, bawling her eyes out after school was already over because somebody from school messaged her on social media. 
So I think the loneliness and the anxiousness and the overwhelming depression and all the things that come with mental issues are, are is in social media is because it never stops. There is no disconnection uh, ever. So it's, it's way too stressful for teenagers and students to have to deal with connection that much. Uh, they're not old enough to know how to balance and have a good schedule or put margin yeah. in. So it's like, mm-hmm. it's like we have to do a good job at teaching them how to make margin and balance because uh, even me as an adult, I get, I get overwhelmed with the 24 seven connectivity. You know, sometimes you need to shut it off. Sure. And I think mm-hmm. trying to help them figure out how to do that for them is probably key to lowering that part, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, we, we've been talking about, uh, mental health of students. Um, and we could go on and on and on and keep talking about this. So much stuff we could talk about, uh, involving mental health, but, uh, you know, kind of transitioning, uh, Graham, you had mentioned margin. Um, I, I think it's important too that we as leaders, as these youth pastors of these students, um, kind of need a model being healthy as right. being healthy mentally to these students as well. So, uh, Graham, you had mentioned margin. Um, you know, I'm I'm here as a bivocational youth pastor, volunteer student pastor at a church plant. Um, Graham, I know you're bivocational as well. So how do you create margin to be able to be healthy as a leader? Right. Um, you know, I like like you, I am bivocational, um, which, you know, just means I I work at the church and work uh, here. Um, but I've also got, you know, wife and two kids. I've got a two and a half year old and a, I think she's turned 11 months. So pretty full schedule. Wow. We have a, basically a party going on all the time at my house. Um, <laughs> which as an extrovert, that's exciting. But for my wife as an introvert, that's not, but we, um, but you know, sure. I work a full-time job in sales. Uh, and those of you guys who've ever done sales performance driven, I got a number I have to hit or I don't make my commission to make my money to pay the bills. Um, but you know, uh, for me, I have to have margin and I have to have structure and I have to have a balance or I'd go, I'd just go crazy. And I'd, I'd be like, uh, is it, was it Nebuchadnezzar? Was it he the one who went crazy in the Bible goes and sits in it, you know, becomes like an animal. I can't remember anyway, but, uh, I'd go nuts. I'd go absolutely insane. So for me, it, I haven't mm-hmm. always been good at it, but I, I have learned through trial and error um, the importance of, of creating that margin and, and all that means for me. Uh, and I think the most practical thing that I can maybe give to, to youth leaders and youth workers and those of you guys who are in the student ministry field, because we know the ministry doesn't stop. We know that mm-hmm. it, you can't clock out of the ministry, but even so, and I, and I, I learned this from, uh, I think it's from Judd Wilhite, but, uh, when he, and he learned from Rick Warren, but when, when I drive off of either my work property or my church property, the I literally out loud pray, God, I'm leaving everything with you in your hands. I'm leaving my students' problems. I'm leaving my lead pastor's expectations. I'm leaving the emails that have made me mad. I'm leaving the customers that have that have uh, not returned my deals yet. I'm leaving mm-hmm. my boss's issues with you in your hands because you can carry the weight and I can't. I'm going home. So that way, when I get home, I'm not trying to dump that weight onto my wife or my kids. Because, you know, if, if we're just being honest and weightlifting, at some point, if you're holding a weight, you're going to put it down. And what you put it down on is very important. So I'm not going to stick that weight on my kids and my wife. That's not their weight to carry. But it's not mine to carry all the time either. You know, I, ministry isn't about how good I can do it. Ministry is about 
me partnering with Jesus as we reach people for his kingdom. So I'm going to give him all the weight back and I'm going to go home and then I'll pick it back up when I drive back onto the property the next day. Uh, You know, and that's easier said than done. There is a lot of follow through on me. And like, I have to shut my phone off on the do not disturb. You know, I, I, I do tell my leaders, my pastor, my boss, that I'm not going to answer the phone after a certain time um, because I just can't. And because of my pride, if they call me, I'm answering it and I'm jumping on whatever they need to have done. Sure. So this is really healthy for me, but it helps me maintain balance in my marriage. Um, and it helps me. And, it, and again, it helps me lead by example to my kids. So I'm trying my students. So I'm trying to teach, hey, we got to have balance and shut the stuff off every now and then. You know, that's great. Yeah, that is, that's really good stuff because, you know, it allows you then to be emotionally and mentally present with your wife and your kids at home. Um, Taylor, I know you're not, I know you're not bivocational, Taylor, but, um, you know, let's be real, a full-time ministry job isn't a nine-to-five job. Um, It continues going even after (laughs) you get, even, right, it continues going even after you get home. So it's still important as a full-time youth pastor to create margins. So how, how do you do that? Yeah, to be to be quite honest with you all, um, this this has been a huge struggle for me, especially I would say my first two to three years in in full time ministry. Um, and this is something that I'm I'm still figuring out as we go along. I'm I'm building the bridge as I walk across it. Um, is the express is the expression that I use a lot when it comes to creating margin and creating creating this stuff. Um, because you know when I first started in full time ministry, I was and, and I'm sure like 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 you both were you know, I said yes to everything, you know, when, when, when somebody, you know, when the pastor asked for something or when a parent asked for something or a student asked for something or, or a coworker asked for something or someone on my ministry team asked for something, it was, it was always, yes, absolutely. I'd love to, I'd be so happy to do it. And so before I knew it, a month of being there, my schedule was, was filled to the max with no room for, for anything else. Um, and over and over again, my ministry team would, would remind me that we have this mantra um, uh, and it was this, it said, no is a complete sentence. Like, like N-O is that a is so sentence. good. And, and for years mm-hmm. I'd be like, yeah, okay, whatever, whatever, whatever. I'd sort of brush it off. And then, and then something crazy happened where my, my girlfriend and then my fiance at the time was no longer in college four hours away, but we got married. Um, and she, you know, and, and all of a sudden we were living together. Shocking, right? How that works out. Um, but, but I realized that I couldn't, have my own schedule of working 60 hours and doing all these things anymore because guess what I had to be there for I had to be there for her um and so so I sort of had this moment where you know it sort of hit me where maybe maybe they were onto something um my ministry team I mean maybe they were onto something with with this idea of saying no and and being confident in saying no and not owing anyone an explanation or anything like that but just 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 creating margin in my schedule by saying no to other things I learned that when I say, when I say no to other things, I'm saying yes to things that are more important. Uh, meaning, I'm saying yes to time with my wife. I'm saying yes That's to awesome. creating rest. I'm saying yes to those things that that really do matter in my life. And, and like I said, this is something I still struggle with. I still um, just just a couple weeks ago, actually, uh, my 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 um, team and I were having this discussion of what is it that I can hand off. You know, what are things that our volunteers can, my volunteers can take that, that I don't need to be doing to once again, create that margin in my schedule. So that way I'm not going a hundred miles an hour and I'm, and I'm not giving the, the weight of work and dropping that onto my family. Um, 
it's it, it it is so hard though. I mean, I mean to be quite honest with you, it it is really difficult. Um, but but another thing that I do that that's also helped, I'll share real real briefly, is I've tried my best to create what I call like an ideal schedule or an and like 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 the perfect week, if you will, um, to where you know I'll take all my responsibilities. So that's you know, and for us that looks different. But for me, it's you know, message writing, it's relational time with students, it's meeting it's you 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 know all the stuff that comes with ministry um and and i've tried to take the things and plug them in to different parts of my day to where you know you know how with a budget like when you budget for the month every dollar is accounted for and it goes here and here and here well it's sort of like that with my minutes of my day and the hours of my work day where i account for every single hour um you know I, i leave a chunk for appointments so if there's any appointments that i have to do i say well i'm available tuesdays and thursdays at this time um, and what, right. that's, what that's done is it's helped me to be more intentional and more productive where I say, okay, I have 15 minutes at the beginning of the day and the end of the day to check my email. And I'm not going to keep checking it throughout the day and, and getting distracted and, and, you know, chasing down different, you know, you know, squirrel, you know, you know, going, <laughs> doing all of those things. I'm going <laughs> to be intentional about, about, you know, using my time wisely. And so that's helped a ton to create margin to where I'm not getting distracted about something. And then, and then, you know, wasting two hours of my day doing something that didn't need to take two hours. Um, so I would suggest that right. as well. that's, that's really helped me. That's good. And uh, listen, in ministry and even in life in general, uh, no being a complete sentence has been a great thing. Um, yeah. Being a people pleaser like myself, I would say yes to everything. And I almost got burnt out in, in youth ministry at the beginning because I was so overloaded and stuff I was doing. I was saying yes to everything, everyone. Someone came to me and said, Hey Matt, can you do this? Yeah, I'll do it. And I had no time for anything. I was on the go all the time. Um, so, so no being a complete sentence, uh, that's, that's good stuff. Um, and listen guys, I want to, I want to start wrapping up because, uh, you, you know, we could go on and on, like I said, and talk about mental health. Maybe this is just a shameless plug for part two of a mental health uh, podcast, I guess, um, because we could definitely do that. Absolutely. Um, so, so just, uh, you know, we've, we define mental health. We defined what we're talking about when we're talking about mental health. Um, we talked about knowing your role as a youth pastor, connecting with other, other churches, other um organizations or a mental health professional that could you, you could um, refer students to, but still walk alongside of them. Mm-hmm. And then we also talked about uh, the importance of being healthy as a leader, creating margin in your life. Um, and just to close, um, you know, it, it's, it's our hope here at Youth Ministry United that we can equip, empower, and encourage youth pastors and youth workers. Um, so I guess Closing remarks from either of you to encourage uh, fellow youth pastors and, and youth workers. Taylor, you want to start? Yeah, um, I, I would say, you know, when sort of two things I, I would I would I would give is sort of next steps, if you will. So sort of you know, okay, you listen to this, you're in youth ministry. Where do you go from here? I, I would say there's two important things to do next. The, the first one is to begin this habit of destigmatizing mental illness and 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 make it a key part of your conversation and your messaging with students. Um, you know, I think one struggle around this topic is it's, it's still sort of taboo to talk about. And so what, what we can begin to do as youth pastors is begin to start making it less and less taboo by, by not getting weird about it or not getting awkward about it, by just addressing that this is something that we all struggle with. You know, we, we all struggle with our mental health to some degree. 
and that looks different for everyone. But, but I think to begin having those conversations and begin including that in messaging and begin including that just in different parts of your, your ministry, to have that be a discussion, to have that be something that you ask students about um, when, when you're meeting with them, to say, hey, hey how are you doing mentally? Um, to be able to start asking those questions, I think it helps, it helps create this destigmatizing effect across your ministry. And it could be even across your church, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, we talk a lot of time about youth ministry leading out on so many things in the church. And I think this could be one of those things of youth ministry can help lead out on destigmatizing mental illness and mental health and that negative approach that people have with her, that negative perception, if you will, that people have about it. Uh, so I would say that's probably the most important thing. And, and the second thing that I would say that I would really suggest would be Graham mentioned it earlier, but I just, I just want to, I want to say it again because it's so good to get that list of professionals in your area that you can refer students to and walk with them to, um, you know, ask, ask your pastor, ask other people in your community, get multiple opinions and get those people that are trusted mental health professionals and counselors that you can send students to. So you have that list ready to go. So it's not once you're in, once you have a conversation with a student who really, who really could use a referral. You don't have to scramble and try to figure out something last minute where you have that list, you know, those people, and maybe you can even begin to build a relationship with those people, honestly, and say, mm-hmm. you know, contact them and say, Hey, I'm a youth pastor in the area. And, and, and I just want you to know that, that, you know, I've, I've heard lots of recommendations about the work that you do. And, and, I, and I'm going to begin maybe referring some kids to you. Is there anything that you want me to know? Is there, is there any tips on what you can, you know, what you would suggest that I say in certain conversations? I think you can begin to build, a great relationship with mental health professionals in your area. And that's something that, that could, could make huge differences in our ministries. Yeah. So important. And then Graham, uh, yourself, any, any closing encouragement for fellow youth pastors and youth workers uh, regarding mental health? Yeah. I I think I'd give one, one little piece per, for each side of it that we talked about Uh, for, uh, on the side of students and helping them with their uh, mental health and helping them maintain that. I think uh, just getting, sitting down and creating content or finding content or just really being, being intentional on teaching your kids balance when it comes to their schedules, social media, their friendships, and, and, and really the boundaries that come with that. And, you know, whatever that looks like in your context, because honestly, depending on where you are, uh, that's going to look differently, you know, for your region or for your area of what kind of students you have. But, you know, just being Mm -hmm. intentional. And then there's lots of great content out there you can find that talk on these that hit on these topics. And uh, so you don't necessarily have to come up with it on your own. Uh, But but doing that and being authentic about it, using your own personal stories and examples to to help push those through. But really just giving them the ability to be balanced, I think, is going to help a lot. I think it's going to help offset it and maybe cut it off before it becomes a big problem. Uh, But for you, I recommend being very intentional on your own schedule. I think it is impossible for you to hold any weight or for me to hold any weight with students, if I myself cannot, uh, maintain my own schedule, maintain my own mental health. And, 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 and when I mean that in the, in the sense of, of allowing yourself margin and balance to be, uh, in the moment, in the room present, not having, uh, not being overwhelmed by your own stuff. It's, you know, being able yeah. to say that, Hey, I've been able to do this. Let me help you do it. That, that, that speaks 
volume. So just taking the time in your day to, and in your weeks and in your months and in your years for you and your family uh, will allow you to be in a better frame of mind to, to be able to speak into these students' lives. So that, that's what I would say. Uh, help them learn how to balance, and then you yourself go go figure out how to be balanced if, if, <laughs> if you aren't already. Yeah. Uh, and, again, there's a lot of content. There's a lot of podcasts. There's a lot of stuff out there that can help give you uh, the things you need, the resources you need to make that happen. But Right. Yep, that's good stuff. So, Graham Taylor, thanks for uh, joining and talking about mental health. It's our hope that uh, for those that were listening that we were able to equip, empower, or encourage you uh, in this topic that, you know, there's just the stigma surrounding. Um, I, were, I hope we were able to destigmatize that a little bit. Um, so look for episode two. We will be dropping that on April 1st, April Fool's Day. That's no joke. No joke at all. <laughs> April Fool's Day, April 1st. Be, be looking out for it. Uh, and we hope that you will listen episode two, April 1st. <laughs>